0: Hello, my name is Paul Caddy and welcome to the Business in the Digital Age podcast. This new podcast features interviews with change makers, mold breakers, future leaders and other leading figures who show us what matters in the digital age. They share key insights and talk about what you can do to thrive in the years ahead. We explore what makes our guests tick and what they think will most transform our lives in the next few years. Today's guest is technologist and futurist, Joseph Rosinski, his primary focus is around the future of technology. He speaks globally on subjects like blockchain, artificial intelligence, cryptocurrency, the metaverse, NFTs, and cybersecurity generally. Joseph hosts Technology Snippets Today, a video podcast series which explores cutting edge technology and innovation. He served as a mentor with the Columbia IBM Blockchain Accelerator and as a presidential committee appointee to the American Bar Association Centre for Innovation Governing Council. He also serves as a corporate liaison to the Council on Foreign Relations. We're delighted that he could join us today. And what he doesn't know about the future of tech isn't worth knowing. Joseph, welcome to the podcast. Do tell us a bit about yourself. It's interesting to sort of see, you know, your website, so much information on it. And one word that really springs springs out to me is just the, the word it's quite evocative as futurist. How did you end up becoming a, a futurist? No,
1: great question. And thank you so much for having me. I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So my background is really as a technologist. So growing up as a little kid is trying to understand how things worked. It could be the remote control, right? Remote controls interacting with the TV. How is that sending information from one thing to the other? So I open it up, try to figure it out, mess around with some of those things and, and try to learn from that as years went by i started doing the same thing applying the same sort of things to whatever industry i was in and for the last 18 years i've been in sort of like the business and legal world and it's trying to understand what's happening in that space and what i do typically is go outside of whatever industry i'm in to understand about how other organizations are doing things such that we could learn and hopefully grow that particular industry a little bit more so I spent a lot of time on things like, oh, going back to blockchain, um, which we may talk about in the future here. But I started getting involved in Bitcoin back in 2011, for better or for worse. I am not, well, I'm not fully retired, but it's one of those things that, like, I was well, able to
0: That's about three years in. <laughs> I suppose it, it as was. As well. Yes.
1: Yeah. It was. Um, and then even like messing around with AI algorithms uh, years ago, trying to tweak them and see what I could do with that. So, Maybe we'll get into some of those conversations later, Absolutely. but I love spending time on trying to figure out what's next and what we can do about learning more about and then applying it to our business.
0: So was some of it happenstance coming into and looking at the legal industry, for example? I mean, you say you take a helicopter view of of uh, of the sector or just developments generally, I should say. Uh, but then was it just by chance you sort of came across the legal sector, for example?
1: That was quite random um i was in another role and then someone came along and said hey they're looking for someone who's a technology consultant who can speak to web development and databases and connections between different groups to help attorneys do better at what they do and so i came along and started moving in that space and then it sort of blossomed into me traveling luckily and i love travel uh, throughout the world talking about ai and blockchain and crypto and the future of legal tech fintech and all of those things combined um which as you could tell i'm somewhat passionate about
0: (laughs) no it's 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 good good to see it's it's it is an area i found and we find just in terms of the book that we've just written there's a lot of jargon sometimes as well in in this area and i think it's difficult to sell certain of the concepts because they are so uh difficult to understand for many people really nfts being a good example blockchain um, how do you um, communicate to to those that don't really understand what these concepts are? Uh, do you tell stories? Um, I suppose do you have to simplify things a little bit. How how do you really sell these these new new ideas and new concepts? There's a there's a number of different ways
1: of doing that. So first, as I sort of mentioned, I love to understand the technology first, um, whether it be code or something hardware related. Having sort of tangibly understood that, then I try to parlay that into concepts people are familiar with. So if it's a concept that is really esoteric and and really far out there, um, it could be blockchain, it could be NFTs, it could be crypto or AI, Um, maybe an example of AI, I would simply say, okay, an algorithm is basically a little bit of code that at its most basic is an if then statement. So if something happens, then it goes in that direction. If something else happens, then it goes in the other direction. And imagine a massive tree of those in the AI world helping to decide or move in the direction of providing information to people based on rules. Uh, that's become a lot more complex, but at yes. its basis, it's that sort of thing.
0: So it's breaking things down to to, to basics, really. And that, that certainly works in some areas quite well. Are, are there certain technologies which are... In- really quite difficult to explain to people um, and how they work. I mean, NFTs, I didn't quite get at first. I, you know, I look at them now and I I think I do understand them. But what would you say, for example, in terms of NFTs, what do they mean?
1: NFTs are probably one of the most under uh, thought of technologies that's come along. Clearly, it's, it's based on blockchain. So an immutable ledger, a database that you pretty much cannot change once you've saved information to it, for better or for worse. What an NFT does, so a non-fungible token,
0: a horrible word, right? Um, That that uh, I would agree with. I I really think that doesn't help. All I can think about is mushrooms for some reason. reason. (laughs) So, yeah.
1: So it's, it's one of these things that came along and the capabilities of them are going to be immense. So it's first started off with these goofy pictures or art. Um, you may know a CryptoPunk, which is actually something that was based off of the London punk scene of the 1970s, or a Bored Ape. And these things went for upwards of $450,000 during the heyday back in 2021. But what an NFT does is it proves that someone owns something on the blockchain. So on a database, you're basically saying this individual owns this digital asset. It could be a car. It could be a deed to your property. It could be a uh, ticket to the next um, uh, United game, right? It could be any one of these types of things allow for people to leverage an NFT going forward. And you could start to see every industry out there, the legal industry, the fintech industry, all leveraging this uh, going forward. And coming back from a conference that was basically all about this, you could see the wheels turning for everyone. Um, we're finally at a point where it's starting to work. I went to several different events and I had to show my NFT to prove that I actually owned something that allowed me the benefit to come to this event for free beverages and maybe uh, a band or something like that. But that's the
0: sort of thing that we're moving into with NFTs. Do you think one of the problems with NFTs is the, the way in which they've been reported? Because I think certainly what I've seen here in the UK is a certain piece of art has been sold for some crazy amount of money or what have you. And sometimes people just can't relate to it. It's like, how can a digital token be worth that, that much money, for example? Um, do, do people tend to, do reporters tend to go to the extremes and therefore they don't actually sell the the day-to-day benefits of NFTs and blockchain?
1: Yes. In, in many ways, um, I'm sort of just to, to level set for, for everyone and for yourself. Um, I'm sort of a mid- middle of the road person, right? So I'm not uh, a leftist, I'm not on the right side. I sort of sit in the middle and I look at both. And I think there's some some ideas potentially on both sides, depending on what it is. And so when I sit back and I look at this stuff and I see what's going on within different type uh, types of media outlets and across the board, um, they have definitely harped on for good reason, um, issues around cryptocurrency. Uh, maybe NFTs, because the news stories that we hear the most about are hacks. So maybe it's FTX in the in the cryptocurrency world, massive amount of money, billions of dollars were stolen from individuals. So yes, the media is right to go after that. But what ends up happening is that parlays into this world of that's the primary focus is why the technology is bad and not take a step back and say, well, Yes, there are bad actors in every single industry, and especially with new technology, there are bad actors that take advantage of it initially. Think about um, all that we knew about with the web early on, people took advantage of that. And now you see this world where that's the center thrust of the conversation. But in time, it will sort of level set in and of itself, and people are like, all right, well, let's go back to the innovation and what it can do, how it can help the unbanked around the world. So cryptocurrency being sent from maybe the US to Mexico or from a certain part of Africa to Latin America. Whatever the case is, you can now bank people that have never had a bank or it's too far to get to. These are amazing benefits that it's no a
0: one's very ever been good point have before. Yeah. It's a very good point because I think I think in Africa, from my understanding is uh, they've they've almost forgotten forget about landlines, for example, gone straight to mobiles. And the banking network in, in a lot of Africa is probably more developed than in, in some some other countries uh, outside of that region so you're right I think sometimes the positive stories aren't told I mean it's certainly in the book in the introduction to the book we have a section just talking about technology and you're right at one point I think people used to talk about the internet loads when crime was when crime happened on it but no one really talked about motorways when they first or were first invented in the 1950s in the UK or first came into being um, no one said, you know, this crime happened because of motorways or this crime happened because of some other sort of technology. So I suppose, yes, there is a tendency, isn't there, to uh, fixate perhaps on something new and not actually the benefits of that that actual technology.
1: Which is totally understandable. Yeah. And you said it very well. So absolutely.
0: So in terms of because in the book as well, we talk about change. And I think change is changing, to put it at its most simplest. It's pace. You know, it's it's the magnitude of it its complexity. How has that impacted upon what you do in terms of future gazing and arising gazing?
1: You know, this is, this is a great question um, as I think about it. So most industries, um, the experts in their fields, and maybe we can use this uh, legal industry in this instance, you have an attorney or a partner and their focus is laser focus on what they're working on. Um, and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but sometimes people put blinders on. We all do around what we are primarily focused on because we want to be expert in that space to help our clients, to help our customers, whatever the case is. So what I like to do is sort of take a step back from that. And my philosophy <laughs> philosophy around yes. this is interacting with a wide spectrum of disciplines, um, sort of like the the past and undergrad and on to grad. So interact with All these different groups, Um, so the medical industry, the fintech, the biotech, space industry, the arts, of course, technology as a purist, the political science. I try to go to various conferences that are in this space or conferences that touch that full spectrum, and you'd be amazed with how much you can learn from industries that have similar problems, but are approaching it completely differently. Yeah. And so whenever I talk about that, I to me that's one of the most important things that people do is sort of open up, sort of pick off the blinders when and if you can to look at those other areas.
0: It's a very good point. I don't know to one extent the legal sector, for example, looks at um looks at what's happening in medicine. It looks what look what's happen- looks what's happening, you know, elsewhere. It's uh, I don't think we do it enough. I think that's absolutely clear. Um so yeah, so so in terms of you doing that. I presume there are there are conferences out there. That's how do you choose which conferences to go to, for example? Because there's so much, <laughs> there is so much going on and so much talk in this space. Uh, how do how do you manage to 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 do that?
1: Well, one of my my little secrets here is that I have been connected into MIT for uh for the last five years or so, and I think of any organization that I've seen across. I mean, Europe has. I mean. A ton of different amazing organizations, United States as well, and Asia uh, too. But what MIT has done is they've they've basically broken it out into emerging tech or other spaces that will will interject multiple disciplines inside of that. And one, they'll get the experts, like the best company out there. And I know that's a bit of a superlative, but the best company out there to say this is what we focus on. This is what we learned on it, learned about it. And then this is what you can do within your industry to potentially gain from those learnings. Um, that to me has been an excellent one. I'm connected into various FinTech as well as legal tech organizations, both in Europe as well as the United States. And I think they've also been very helpful in sort of crafting and understanding where they may wanna go and what they're hoping to do in that space too.
0: Absolutely. I think there's um a, a, an AI report that comes out every annually, is there not? Is it, uh, I- is it Stanford?
1: It's, Stanford it's, does a lot of good work as well. Yes,
0: I think so. Absolutely. So I suppose it's it's relying on MIT. It's relying on experts in the area to curate what, what matters and what doesn't, I suppose, effectively. Um,
1: yes. Yeah. Yes. Stanford is Codex, which is a, another amazing group that also puts on conferences and constantly um, solicits new ideas. So you can submit an idea that you may have, or a concept that you have, and they'll listen into it. And potentially uh, leverage that as well.
0: Absolutely. So I suppose let's talk about the the, the latest bit of exciting tech, which has got the world talking. Um, alas, we just about managed to get it into the book because it sort of burst onto the scene, certainly in the UK uh, in November, I think, last year. And obviously, it was being developed way before then. But ChatGPT, GPT. Uh, I mean, one thing I would say is I wish it came up with a different name because it does doesn't exactly <laughs> roll off. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, does it really? chat gpt but yeah, are, we are we are where we are they might rename it i think OpenAI is developing it that's that's easier but anyhow i mean how do you think it's going to impact on the, on the business world
1: so this is a uh this is a sensitive one um that i always approach and i and i've been talking about ai for the last i guess seven eight eight years now and it always is dependent on the audience and i, I know that sounds kind of odd to say but there no, no, are... lawyers love, it depends. I mean, life is nuanced.
0: <laughs> life is very nuanced. It does depend sometimes.
1: It, it does because you may get an audience that would be completely off-put by you mentioning that artificial intelligence is going to have an impact on the way that you practice or the business of law. And so over the years, I've gone to different approaches where, well, yes, this is going to be augmented intelligence and it will help you initially. And I usually stop there. Um... But I've actually been asked by like some managing directors or managing partners to come in and actually scare their committee about how artificial intelligence will potentially transform their industry. So one of the things I've been talking about a long time now is this exponential growth of technology and a lot of people would be like in all of some of the concepts and then others are absolutely dismissive that we are going to see this massive change We finally hit that inflection point to your question with open AIs. Absolutely encourage everyone to play around with it. If you're not playing around with it um, through their own systems right now, you probably will or have been inside of the Microsoft suite of products, which they've now integrated into. But Is that Copilot? Yeah, so Copilot's the latest iteration of that. Uh, In the beginning, they started off with some basic things within PowerPoint, so we can... Uh, take a written document that you currently have, and you say, "Open," or you say, ChatGPT, turn this into a, a eight uh, deck slide, eight slides in this deck, and it will do that automatically, incorporating yeah. art and all that fun stuff." But Copilot is that next iteration of this. Um, the funny thing is, OpenAI has been around for quite some time, and um, and one of the things that's fascinating about it is that uh, to me the biggest jump was in April of last year. And they came out with something called Dolly. Now it's Dolly 2. And basically it was the idea that you type in certain words into a little bar and it will create that image. And you can keep honing that image and then you can develop the most amazing pictures, uh, surreal pictures, art, whatever you wanted to do. And to me, that was the massive jump forward. So I was talking about that with various audiences in the FinTech and the legal tech world. And I said, this was in November. I was like it's not too long before we hit the point where people are able to do the same types of natural language sentences it's going to leverage the large language models uh to then create and do whatever you want and so that's what we've
0: seen yeah do you think people tend to take a all-or-nothing approach to ai in that they think either it should do everything or we ought not to bother using it for example
1: well, I hope that there's no one out there that's saying we shouldn't use it now because I dare say I, m- I might be a little, little off-putting and I don't mean to do that for some people, but I think it's a massive mistake if people aren't investigating and leveraging various AI tools right now. Um, whether it's industry-specific uh, in, in fintech or in legal tech, there are tools that are out there that are now, by some comparison, dark ages, um, but you'll start to see some of the large organizations leveraging, most organizations leveraging these t- types of models that have just come out. I mean, Google has barred. Um, Amazon's coming out with something soon. Um, and uh, Elon Musk, whether you like him or you don't, is also working on a project as well in the same space. Uh,
0: yes, he, I think he was... Has uh, it has. It's he, he, interesting, Elon Musk, on, on many levels, actually, but I think, didn't he recently say that uh, there should be a moratorium on certain types of AI for 6 months but equally I think the FT was reporting the other day that he also wants to challenge OpenAI I think in terms of uh, developing AI products so I, I find it's difficult to know exactly where where he sits with it I suppose you can <laughs> see the he can see the business opportunity but he can also see the the fact that it does need to be looked at and regulated more and perhaps that takes us to another question actually what what's your view on regulation because at the moment it strikes me that AI really isn't regulated at all. There's lots of proposals in the pipeline, but there you know, there really isn't any regulation, which is incredible, really, if you consider how, how much it's used already. It's almost like we've invented the car and we haven't bothered with any road traffic acts or the American equivalent.
1: No, it's a great way of saying it. Uh, I love the way you teed that up. Um, so regulation when it comes to AI is a sticky wicket. Uh, it is a very difficult one. Because if one jurisdiction decides to down the road of regulating something, and it's not terribly easy to do, but if they decide to do that, they're hamstringing that particular jurisdiction. Because as we're starting to see, it literally is an arms race, because some of these technologies could be, um, for better or worse, it, it could be a lethal thing. Um, and there's some, some scary things out there we won't go down the path of when it comes to AI. But... If you had like uh, the EU regulating, and they will, and you have the United States regulating, and they will, certain components, you're going to start to see other areas pop up or people move, people with these innovative ideas move to uh, areas that are far more friendly to this. And they will continue the march down the path of new forms of AI. That's, again, we're at a point of, it's, it's difficult to wrap your arms around it. It's all in a black box. It's very difficult to determine why these decisions are being made by some of the algorithms. Um, So I guess we'll have to see,
0: but that's a tough one. I think, I mean, I suppose one of the biggest problems is is a potential race to the bottom. And I was reading something uh, recently um, in terms of, as I say, putting a moratorium on AI, which it, I mean, I'm not a dystopian. I don't, I don't believe in it. it's a dystopic sort of future or a utopic future, but probably somewhere in the middle. But it does seem to me that we need to just regulate more in an intelligent way, you know, similar to perhaps how we regulate, um, you know, the development of you know, viruses, for example. There's this gain of function rules. There's all manner of really complicated regulation on how we uh you know deal with biomedicine and what have you but again that doesn't really seem to be the case with with ai at the moment so uh, do you think it it just needs more international bodies to get together to say right this is a game changer this is remarkable in terms of what it can do we really need to to start working together on this
1: no question i think In a perfect world, what you would get is almost like the Paris agreement for climate climate, uh, change, where you had, I think, 196 different parties at the table deciding on what they wanted to do for the course of the next 10, 20 years. That, to me, is the only way that we'll get to the point where there aren't tangents in different parts of the world that are a little more friendly to AI that don't take off and maybe go in a bad direction. There has to be everyone at the table. Um I mean, I, <laughs> better or worse, I've read a lot of this on both sides, looking at every direction that this could possibly go in. There's a lot of positive there, but there's also some very scary stuff that could that came to light and has always been there. Like in in, in this in these concepts that things could really go in a in a dark direction. We also that's like sci-fi and that'll never happen, or it's very unlikely. There's been some voices that were on that extreme that have started to move towards the center, which is what you were talking about in terms of like Elon Musk and others. There's like a thousand other people that also signed some document that said we need to put a halt on
0: this for six months. Which included um, Steve Wozniak, for example, just some very well-known individuals in, in the sector. And in, in Elon, he did that
1: probably maybe a little bit out of fear. Um, for two reasons. One fear because he was behind the ball when it comes to this, but also because there is some tangible concern about how this is progressing and, how, and at the speed of progression there. So I guess back to the point is, you, we all need to get everyone on board across the globe to agree upon these things. Otherwise, uh, things could get a little little chaotic, I think.
0: What do you think is snopping um, politicians engaging with the subject is it that they don't understand it and if you don't understand it there's no easy wins
1: i don't think that everyone understands that i think if they were to go to um, themselves they need to go to something like chat gpt or to google bard although i don't think bard's up to the up to par just yet uh and just mess around with it in their own discipline and their own understanding as an expert in whatever they are whether it's regulation or whether they're specializing in privacy for their jurisdiction, whatever it is, type in certain queries and have someone help them understand that and see what the output is and how mind blowing that is. And then start looking at what's happening next, which are, um, these agents, which you're basically creating, um, in the, in the, in the instance of chat they're all doing this, but, um, an agent that allows you to make a certain query and then based on that query, it's automatically responding or doing something on your behalf in the secondary query. And then you're connecting into various apps, publicly used apps. And those apps are then being able to leverage things across the internet such that you are essentially getting to the point of a computer, once you've set its its task going forward. You put its parameters in. Yeah. Yes. It's not perfect. It's certainly not perfect right now. But this is... We're talking about like week one or two of this, and people are already making headway on that aspect of AI inside this whole thing.
0: Wow, it, there, there, there's so much, there's so much to keep a track of I think in terms of AI and and, and, other, and, and other technologies, but particularly AI. Um, do you think there needs to be a general change in attitudes towards tech? Um, because I suppose the problem with AI as well and other technologies, blockchain and NFTs is, 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 is as you say, we can sometimes focus too much on the negatives. Um, and, and people, you'd almost call it Terminator syndrome, where people think everything is just going to suddenly turn into a robot that's, that this is, is going to kill everybody. But of course, AI can be used in such remarkable ways with humans to detect um, cancer, for example, just to do so many things. Um, how do we... How do we get a more nuanced approach to to these technologies? I mean, great way of of asking that
1: question, because there are so many incredible things that are coming from this already. I mean, you can have um, pseudo-AI doctors reviewing, let's say, a million brain scans, looking for cancerous growth within that. And after it's being trained on a billion of these sorts of images it can more than likely find that very quickly and very easily. Um, Looking towards other parts of medicine, the same sorts of things, looking at viruses, potential for solving issues like we had with COVID, being able to to solve- This is it. I think AI was used in in the development of many of the COVID vaccines. Exactly. So that type of rapid deployment, understanding, solving for the problem, and then moving in that direction is amazing. Um, If you're looking at the legal world, um, access to justice, and if you're able to get uh, some of these agents uh, to to buoy up information or bubble up information to people based on what their needs are, they may not need to go, and for better or worse, they may not need to go to certain groups to get those problems solved. So the lower tier, the things that we all need access to, should be, become much more available than ever before, which is a fantastic thing that AI is sort of bringing to us, yeah.
0: That's a very good point. I think, certainly in the UK, and we we call it the great unmet legal need in, in our book. I know we've done uh, some of the research we did on the book. We looked at other jurisdictions and saw the same issues in, in the States, same issues in Canada, same issues all around the world, really, is uh, lawyers really unavailable to most people. Um, uh, you know, and the law, the, if the rule of law truly matters, then people do need access to lawyers. Or, or legal agents perhaps as they may be um if there's ai <laughs> for the that's for it. the more simple stuff and you know I, I certainly would have no issue with that i think that's i think it's a wonderful development where lawyers are then used for the more complicated matters precisely um, but there's so much uh, i think the latest uh i think there was is it do not park um i think do in not the not states pay. yeah do not pay beg your pardon yeah is that to do so... with parking though is that what i've got confused there so they their
1: models opened up um tremendously. Initially started off with uh, if I do believe, if I remember correctly, parking tickets. Parking um, tickets. That's where I got do not park. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's totally, yeah, it makes sense. So basically um the idea that it would you'd send the information in and it would look for any irregularities on the ticket itself. Um and if it found anything, you'd be able to submit it and say, here's the language you should use. Based on that this is wrong, uh, they put in the wrong uh, dates or something simple, right? So it's looking for all these types of things and it's spewing that out. But they've really moved in some other directions where they tried to have um, this in a courtroom, uh, arguing a case where the attorney had a little earpiece and people were were inputting information in the background or was listening to the conversation and it was making suggestions such that... (laughs) that agent or that bot was offering up legal advice or the the, the, the approach to the argument. Um, <laughs> so they they nixed it. They did not allow that to happen and went back and forth many times. And ultimately they said, we can't do this. Um, so in the United States, the, the American bar association is, is very conservative and I work with them. So a lot of respect uh, with them and for them, but they're very conservative in their approach and how they go about things. And so we'll have to work through
0: that. Whereas um so it may in happen in, in a couple of years but as you yeah. say all of the all of the problems people have to have their views heard in, in terms yes. of yeah protections and what have you exactly so it, it, in terms of we've discussed blockchain and and cryptocurrencies and and where they're going where, where do you see uh cryptocurrencies going i, I know that the, the, the british government uh, or the bank of england i should say was looking to create a digital um currency but it's Taught to have been put on the back burner now that could just be for political reasons that could be for reasons they don't have enough time well, where do you see things like that going the cryptocurrency
1: piece is an uh utter disaster right now uh-huh. unfortunately um and it's primarily because of um two or three organizations that blew up uh people lost billions of dollars and they are the ones that basically allowed for uh, organizations around the world to rally around the idea that all cryptocurrencies are bad are not helpful are uh, potentially going to cause issues um and unfortunately there's there's that's not the truth there's something in between right so the innovation of cryptocurrencies which again is yet another aspect of blockchain so a tangent to blockchain um can, as we spoke earlier, can allow for people all over the world to send money or assets very quickly, very easily, and for cents on the dollar, which is an amazing thing. But for governments around the world, that could upend their monetary systems. So one, they're worried about people, you know, losing money in these scams, which there are scams, it's like there are scams for everything else in the world. That's one aspect. The other aspect is definitely a threat towards sovereign governments. If you were to take it out that far, um, if people believed in a currency like uh, Ethereum, so ETH, or Bitcoin, um, and they all started to migrate towards that, then what happens to the dollar? What happens to the euro? What happens to the pound? Uh, Less reliance on that is a threat to the government, and for better or for worse. I mean, that's a fairly middle of the road concept uh to, to discuss uh, around the economics of it but that's one of the reasons or multiple reasons why people are really worried about that i think fundamentally what will shake out is that which we've mentioned before is a cbdc so a central bank digital currency there are 83 uh governments around the world that are looking into these things basically taking whatever native currency they have and making it digital now there are different ranges. I'll, I'll, I'll be quick about this. So there are different ranges to this. Uh, China is the first country around the world that's done this. They can see, here's the issue with that. They can see every single transaction that ever happens. They can know from a dollar to a few cents, whatever, to a million dollars, where that's going, who's getting it. Uh, they don't know necessarily why unless there's a note in there. So there's this idea that you can have this overarching, um, uh, control of what's happening there
0: and then and the other side, privacy concerns obviously yes
1: yeah absolutely yes and the other side it's you don't know what's happening and then there's AML issues uh, or you know your customer KYC issues as well so we will have to find something in between and I think that's what the hopefully target but does seem like it's it's very heavy right now yeah on the regulation side
0: I mean, it strikes me it's almost a question of marketing as well sometimes a product can hit the market at the right time and that sometimes a concept or a product and this is more of a concept really than a than a product you know the cryptocurrencies can hit the market at the wrong time and it hits the market when there's such bad there's, there's a lot of bad news about cryptocurrencies and how as you say there's lots of scams and what have you it's very difficult to get the public on board if they think well it's 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 as they say in the uk it's just dodgy it's just it's <laughs> it's, it's it's not not good which takes me to another point i suppose just on timing certainly when we were writing a the book there was there's, there's numerous companies and the law society has also created systems where businesses can sort of understand roughly where they are on the sort of the hype cycle so there's a lot of technology where people get very head up and excited and it's the latest new thing um and businesses sort of their ears prick up and they think oh you know should we should we be investing in this then of course the hype cycle then just sort of goes down into i think Gartner calls it the um the the sort of trough of disillusionment, and then you sort of go back up again to the slope of enlightenment. What would your advice be, or what tips would you have in terms of, well, when is it roughly right to really start looking at new technologies? That's yeah. question.
1: <laughs> well, so you're asking uh, sort of a technologist about when it, it's a great, I love this question because I think people need to think about this more often. And that is, I favor getting into it much earlier than where, where, I guess, large organizations tend to, or even smaller, medium-sized organizations. Because while some of these new technologies flame out very quickly, a lot of it's a learning experience. So you can learn that, okay, this didn't work, but it's going in the right direction, or it's going in a direction that will change or have an impact on my business. So what I typically say is that it's really important to have people in place, at least one person in place that's looking at these types of concepts and ideas early on, some of it's a fishing ex, um, expedition, right? So you're going out there, you're you're throwing in your line and you're pulling out, uh, you're expecting to pull out like a, a blue fish, but also sudden you pull out, you know, a shark, you're like, what in the world did I just pull out? Why do I have this? Or some crazy looking fish, but you're learning, okay, maybe this fish has a different set of fins or a different way that the gills are set up. You're saying, oh my goodness, we, I've never seen this before. How could this you know, why is this different? Maybe it makes me think about things in a, in a unique way. So I often say, you know, tend towards the earlier part of the cycle. Don't beat the late adopter because too many businesses think that they know their business well, and they do, but they don't see what's coming down the road. How many people saw what was happening with open API, uh, uh, open AI? Very few. They've been around since 2013. And the things that they've been putting out have been out there for quite some time. And most people, this is like, boom, oh my goodness, what just happened? We have this chat GPT thing. There are several iterations before that of all these things that people could have leveraged or used in advance of that to to hopefully gain a, a little better understanding on the, so, in
0: the industry. So I suppose the key is to, is to keep an eye on the things. Um, yes. you, don't have, you don't have to go in 100% either. You can sort of dip your toes in the water and, and you don't know what you might find when, when you're sort of doing that really.
1: Very well said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we've got a sort of killer question, I suppose, just to finish. And we, you may well have answered the question. We don't know. But it's it's one worried <laughs> new, <laughs> what what new innovation or, or even way of thinking uh do you think is gonna have the biggest impact until let's say twenty thirty, the next seven years or the next decade, twenty thirty
1: three? Uh the next stage that I tell my brother and my sister is that in their lifetime, in the kids' lifetime they will all have implantables. Implantables that potentially go and interact with their brain. Now you take that with the the AI and you start to go in a really crazy direction such that Absolutely. we're not doing Google searches. We're not doing the interactions uh, with Chat to dpt, but we're doing it via our brains directly to the internet. Um, and that I I have this I have a bunch of different slides that go through these types of things. Uh, and I had timelines. So Five years ago, I had timelines on these things and they were that one almost like singularity was 2045. So singularity is when a, a- AGI
0: uh, becomes a thing.
1: Yes. When uh, artificial intelligence basically is comparable or exceeds human intellect. And I actually think that we're moving much faster in that direction, such that it could be 10 years. That's what I mean. So when you said a decade away. Okay could be 10 to 15 years away
0: wow so, because I I, I, so i'm absolutely some of the research which we've done it, it some are saying five years away they're really sort of optimistic and some are saying 50 years it's 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 a really difficult thing to predict isn't it really but absolutely the yeah. world will will just change beyond recognition i think in the next couple of years i, I mean one of the, the one of the big things we say in the book is is just and and it's an overused term sometimes to be agile but i think people do need to we can't aim for perfection nowadays the world is moving so so quickly isn't it really i think it's uh, we've got we've got to keep an eye on these on, on these developments because they are moving quickly are they not no, I,
1: I couldn't have said it better i mean honestly uh remaining uh mindful of what's happening beyond your current you know, focus is so incredibly important, especially now. And if people aren't looking outside their industry for better ideas or new things, then they may fall short in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. But uh,
0: yeah. And, and it's the key as a final thought, you talk about travel is is to get away as well and not think about these things sometimes because it can be so, um, there's so much to take in. I think sometimes is it good just to go out and, and do whatever hobby you've got, go for a walk, go swimming, do all these sort of things, and remind yourselves that at the end of the day, we are human beings as well, and we need to switch off.
1: (laughs) No, it is. And I I am not the poster child for that. I think over the last 10 years, um, I basically, when I wasn't doing my job, which was akin to what we just talked about now and working with teams on progressing the legal tech industry, I would spend all my other time, and this is Kind of sad, working till twelve or maybe sometimes two a.m. at night, on looking at new things. Now that is not the path forward. I've since sort of taken a step back, and I'm, I'm spending much more time outdoors. To your, to your point, oh, and doing other things. But uh, you know, it was an exciting period. I definitely learned uh, an immense amount. But there's no question that taking a step back and 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 time for yourself, um, uh, mindfulness around that is very mm-hmm. very important.
0: Joe, it's been a pleasure, really interesting talking to you today. There's so much more I think we could talk about because there's so much going on, isn't there really? But I think that'll have to be it for today. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, hopefully um, you'll get to relax not looking at tech sometime soon.
1: (laughs) I'm going to do my best. Paul, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the opportunity to to chat
0: with you. Thank you. Well, these are the sorts of things that we could discuss for hours. I mean as we discussed AI in particular is going to be such a game changer but it's still something that needs to be discussed more. There aren't only legal issues to consider but ethical and moral ones too. As we highlight in our recent book Legal Practice in the Digital Age we need to be stronger on horizon gazing as there's so much tech frankly on the horizon which is likely to upend how we do business. Here's a few tips on getting the edge in this area. First before you look up, look down. Where are you? It's often more difficult and more time-consuming to chart a course to an end destination if you don't know where you are now. A second tip, mindset. Mindset is important. Approach the exercise as one that seeks to seize new opportunities rather than defensively preserving your current position. Now, the tip is to speak to your clients or customers, and this is often overlooked. If you want to know where your world is headed, Uh, you need to know where theirs is headed to. Ensure that someone senior in your firm has overall responsibility for having what is often called a helicopter view of all the future-gazing feedback that is feeding through. Without such a view, wider trends that may have an impact across the firm could well be missed. And finally, ensure that the conclusions of future-gazing are fed into your firm's vision, strategy, and, and related aims. It's all well and good, collating views, but quite another to ensure that something is done as a consequence. So that's it for today's podcast. A reminder, you can subscribe to the Shoesmiths Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or however you consume your podcasts. Thanks for listening today, and goodbye.